The His Girl Friday podcast is brought to you in part by Messenger Fellowship, living the kingdom, fulfilling the call, proclaiming the truth. How's it going, everyone? And welcome to the His Girl Friday podcast. This is yours truly, Cameron Fry, coming at you. It's three o'clock on a Monday afternoon. It's President's Day, so I have the day off, which is awesome. Get to have a bonus day to hang out with the fam, get some chores, some errands done. Got my passports photo um, created today as I'm working on my renewal application. Just a great day to just chillax and get some things done that you wouldn't have been able to get done otherwise on a normal day. So the reason why I wanted to cut a podcast today is to discuss something that happened to me last week at work. As most of you know, I am an account technician at uh, T. Finance. That's the Tennessee Department of Transportation. I work in the accounting world, and I have been for the last six years. And I've been able to make a lot of good friends, more on the colleague side of friend, but still just a lot of good connections. There you go. That's the word I'm looking for. Made a lot of good connections in those six years. And one of them, she came to me last week and she was feeling super overwhelmed, just a lot on her mind, a lot on her plate. And there are a couple people on the floor who she'll go to when times get tough, but I happen to be one of them, kind of in that circle of two or three uh, of those she could really count on and trust. So she was just emptying her heart, pouring out some frustration. Uh, I have no problem being a venting outlet for some people. You know, it's kind of a, a form of flattery, really. And at the end of these particular episodes, we end with some prayer. She's one of those people, I, I'm i not sure where she stands in her faith, uh, but she is open to prayer. She understands that there is a power to it, that it has a place in the world, and she also believes in the existence of a supreme being. Uh, she believes in the idea of God, certainly. She reminds me a lot of just how a lot of people are around here in the Mid-South, you know, the buckle of the Bible belt. Whether you go to church or not, most people are going to be open to prayer because they have that mentality of what can go wrong. And so they seek out those who are faithful in the practice. And when you have that reputation, it kind of goes one or two ways. You know, on one side, people think you're automatically a hypocrite, that you're automatically double-minded. And I get that all the time. There are other people who they feel like they could trust you more. They're, I don't want to say naive, but those who are a bit more prone to trust and not wrestle with that on the front end, they are like, okay, well, I feel safe around you until proven otherwise. So we're just talking back and forth at the end of this conversation. And she felt, you know, I could sense the weight being lifted off her shoulders, especially after we. Uh, concluded matters in prayer and she walked away and she felt lighter on her feet and I just couldn't help but think about some content I heard last year uh, during my gate sabbatical uh, during those nine months uh, the number one church that Liz and I uh, frequented uh, the Journey Church in Franklin Tennessee pastored by Jamie George and he was doing this series called Awakening it just blew my mind it was key. It was foundational for the time. It was one of those 
it was one of those series I really needed to hear at that particular moment. It was very timely for me in a very uncertain, unsure season of life. And after this conversation with this colleague, I couldn't help but find tie-ins to that. So uh, I hadn't written or done any podcast on the content. So I figured I'd share something that I wrote last week in response to this conversation that goes back and has root in the Awakening series that Jamie George taught at Journey Church. And this would have been like April of 2018. And so the title of the piece is called Love Reminders, Why Voids Are Not to Be Avoided. And it starts with this specific question. Have you ever wondered why it's easier to accept your flaws as opposed to your voids? In order to really understand this particular episode, we must first break down the difference, the dichotomy between flaws and voids. When I say flaw, I'm talking about weakness, imperfection, what you can't control and change. Sin and stronghold would relate to flaw in this case, because it's something that we have the opportunity to turn from. We can make the call to not only be sorry for our wrongdoing or an iniquity, but we could turn from it. It's something that if we make the right decisions, we can start a journey to self-improvement and betterment. And of course, when I say that, I'm implying that we're relying on the Lord for strength, for guidance, and for renewed purpose, renewed thinking, uh, renewed behavior. Voids, I'm referring to lacking a necessary good. These refer to things that we can't control and change. They're automatic deficits. Sometimes they are deficits we're born into. Others, you know, we, we find our voids being the product of someone else's flaw slash void. Um, voids can be complicated. We often don't realize they're there. Sometimes they're so far in the back burner, we, we don't really have a front and center picture, a clear picture of why we feel the way we feel or why we think or behave the way we think and behave. Sometimes they're so close, they're so far under our nose, we, we don't see it. It's just a different way of not seeing it. So we have these frustrations and we don't know why they're there, where they're coming from, but we know somehow it just ties to something that we can't control and we just find ourselves constantly in this pit of disappointment and discouragement. So all that said, the difference between flaw and void really comes down to what you can control and change, slash what you can't control and change. So if you could relate to this, I want to encourage you, no matter how vast and voluminous the void, God's sovereignty is always greater to not only fill it, but overflow it. This pertains to what I was talking about earlier when when Liz and I began we started off this year, this 2019 journey, we landed on overflow as the one word theme of the entire year. We want everything we do, everything we put out content wise to reflect fullness in some form. And if you want to talk about fullness, you've got to talk about where it goes because it's not, we're not supposed to live life just filled to the brim. We're meant to overflow something with our lives. why we were created. And I know that this truth is clearer conceptually than applicably, which is where my heart is. 
And I know that there are others out there listening to this who struggle less with voids than flaws. So I know that while I'm speaking predominantly to an audience who it's harder to process our voids compared to flaws, there are other people who are on the other side of that. I get that. Either way, in case you're sitting there thinking, all right, well, I get all this so far. I just want to know how to get better, get healed. Just get there to the other side, whatever that looks like. Consider this episode, this post, a joint dive in discovering fresh purpose in places you never thought possible. Because truth is, for many of us, myself included, we prefer bridging our voids as opposed to exploring them in depth. Even when we do take the plunge, we're often not ready for what we may find in those voids, whether it be ego or fears, an infatuation with the past. And I want to real quick just center on this word ego. One of the new concepts I've been learning in the past year, going back to the Awakening series at Journey, the theology of ego as a subset of the theology of our fallenness and our depravity, to me, I find fascinating how easy it is to be blind to certain facets of our ego and the consequences of that and where it leads. If we can focus on our ego and how it manifests, we could really stay ahead of a lot. And it really helps, like just understanding our ego, we can recognize just the rabbit trails we, we go down and it really has a part to play in the big picture of repentance because that can't be separated from this topic. A lot of topics we talk about repentance has to be seen as part of the core. One of Jamie George's favorite authors is Richard Rohr. And he states in one of his books, a uh, mortal diamond, whether humans admit to or not, we're all in love with the status quo in the past, even when it's killing us. For most, it's easier to gather energy around death, pain, and problems than joy. For some sad reason, it's joy we hold lightly and victimhood we hold on to. That's heavy stuff, but that's also real, and it speaks to me. Taking this quote, we could go back to the initial question and rephrase it. Instead of, have you ever wondered why it's easier to accept your flaws as opposed to your voids? We can ask, when it comes to the holes in our lives, why do we put God behind the telescope and our voids under the microscope? Shouldn't it be the other way around? Or are we so content in idolizing what's not working in our life, so content in finding identity in ego or finding value or some form of self-worth in our ego? We fail to see our voids as God's love reminder. To quote Jamie George, the thing that's not working in your life is your opportunity for salvation to be saved from your ego and remember who you are, who you were created to be, who created you first and foremost. The reason we wrestle with our voids often ties to not knowing what God wants to reveal through them. We tend to think of our voids as this elephant in the room. We just want it to go away. But the only way to really deal with our voids the holes, the warts, whatever you want to call them, we have to confront them, and we have to confront them intentionally. For me, I could fade God in light of false hopes, telling my trust what to do. And before you know it, we're, you know, I'm lost in a 
searched for meaning outside the only place I could find it. Desperate for breakthrough, but not necessarily for freedom. I know it's hard to maybe understand, well, how could you have one but not the other? What I mean by that last sentence, desperate for breakthrough but not for freedom, sometimes we just want to be healed and just go on our merry way. We want to break down the wall that doesn't need to be there. But we're not really as passionate about living in sustained fullness, uh, living in something that's more permanent, that's more eternal, something that's more lasting. When you break down a key wall in your life, you clear a hurdle, you want to keep clearing them. You don't want to go back to that hurdle. You don't want to circle back around. It's not how a race works. You don't get to re-clear a hurdle when you're running that race and track. You know, you clear it, or maybe you trip over it, but you get up and you, and you move on. A lot of us, we get moving on, but we don't know how to move on the right way. And it goes back to what I was saying. We, we take action on our voice by bridging it most often, but sometimes we have to go through the pits of life and we have to learn what it's like to climb out of it, which makes that conversation I had with my friend at work so meaningful. Even though I was on the receiving end, I could tell this was someone who was coming in direct contact, approaching this particular void head on. And it did involve other people's flaws, whatever. We already broke down the difference there. But I was so proud of my my colleague in this moment because she was handling something the best way she knew how. And it turned out to be the right way. There's a time to rely on the Lord and it just and it's and, and he's enough. And there are other times where part of relying on him is seeking out a mentor, a prayer partner. You want to cement something. You want to pull from past experience, people who might be a little bit ahead of you in this certain way. And sometimes all people need is a listening ear. And you get to reflect the fact that God listens, he hears, and he understands more and deeper than we possibly can understand. The reason we wrestle with our voids often ties to not knowing what God wants to reveal through them, which can't be separated from knowing God wants to reveal to us, period, on a daily basis, on an everyday walk with him basis. It's interesting to, you know, we could find all these different topics to talk about. Each of them, it just comes back to love and being loved and created in love to love. The foundations, the basics, the essentials of God's love as the core of our lives, it's always there. It's at the center of everything we talk about. And if it's not, I think we need to reevaluate our approach, our angle, our intentions. All that said, this is why Jesus taught love as an invitation first and as instruction second. Some of us have a hard time understanding God's love, what it's like to receive it uh, in our voids as kind of like, you know, the faucet that is pouring in fresh living water into these crevices in our lives. We get the instruction part of it, the, the greatest commandment, but not the invitation. Anything good we could possibly do in this life is an invitation. When you want to do a specific job well, you want to execute it with excellence, you're accepting an invitation, whether you know it or not. And I hope that for most of us listening to this, it's not just a function of job security where we're we're doing good work so that we don't reap the consequences of not doing good work. We 
how many people just want to get paid so they can just reap some immediate gratification or some benefits. There's a lot of people doing good work out there. They don't even know why they're doing it. And it comes back to understanding Jesus invites us to love and to receive his love. And when we do that, we can see the awe and the awful. We can begin to see life as not only richer than our temporary troubles, but richer because of them. That's one of those points in, in this episode. I want you to star if you're taking notes, taking mental notes, you know, star that point. The inevitable hurdles we encounter, they are more than opportunities to be humbled and broken. As great as humility is and, and brokenness, you know I'm a fan of that. Because it often means that something, a part of our hard heart is breaking down and, you know, it cracks and then God's light can shine through and begin to heal and the stubbornness begins to erode and that is an awesome place to be. So hear me, I'm not trying to belittle humility and just being broken, but we also have to see those inevitable hurdles as lifelines were passionately loved and rescued through. They're God's lifelines. They're SOSs. And sometimes we don't even have to ask for them. We find they're already there waiting for us. Therefore, we must accept the fact that voids are necessary. They are imperative in the narrative of our lives as they offer a chance to centralize Christ as our security. Whatever independence is, they begin to pale in comparison to Jesus being the only thing we're relying upon. Christ, the Redeemer of all things, who takes our time-traveling tendencies, our propensity to idolize the past, and he morphs them into a desire to know God as perpetual presence. Oh, I want to know you more as the daily cry that is at the center of every longing, wishing, and thought. It's not natural on our own strength. It's something that we have to choose to be tethered to. That's part of being human. As far as our natural flesh is concerned, as far as the ego is concerned, the ego is always looking back. It is caught up in trying to Fix something that can't be fixed. You can't go back in time and time travel. We don't live, you know, I love Doctor Who and the TARDIS, but, you know, even if that hypothetically existed, I wouldn't want to rely on that to correct issues. We have to learn to deal with the present, with God being our perpetual presence. Everywhere he goes, he is with us. It is proof that he never leaves or forsakes us. Think of it this way. In this life on this side of heaven, there are many people living apart from God. They're lost in some way. They're in a fog. They're living in a cloud. They don't know which way to turn. Sometimes it's easy to, you know, when you're saved or you've been following Christ for a long time, it's easy to have this judgmental heart towards the lost because it's hard for us to wrap our minds around the fact that they don't know better. We've, we've gotten used to knowing better. So many people, they've been so hurt, so wounded, and if, it, if they've been hurt and wounded, especially by a person of faith, it could really backfire and take a long time. We just don't know everyone's narrative, everyone's story. We love to fill in the gaps of what we don't know with some vain imaginations and assumptions. I'm very much a man of in whose 
take it from one who struggled with that. I want no part. And when it can, and I'm, the more I live, the more I recognize those vain imagination assumptions and take them captive. They're at the top of my take captive list because I used to do it all the time. Still do it on occasion, but not as much. It's part of where breakthrough has met freedom in my own life, which is a topic for another day. There are many people living apart from God. And to them, fear in the face of chaos makes perfect sense. Why? Because they have nothing to rely on other than themselves. Their hope is essentially non-existent. It's a mere flatline on the cardiogram of circumstance. But to those who trust in God, they could fear him in disarray, knowing the chasms created in trial also create the heart space we need to receive those aforementioned love reminders. It creates this container that God can pour into. And then in that container, even if it starts out as empty, it could ultimately overflow on that surrounding space. That's why I was telling this very colleague, one of the, you know, I, I want to respect the conversation out of confidentiality, but I will say this as far as what I told her. An empty container is better than no container at all. And 80, 90 plus percent of the people were around. They have no container to be poured into. And we have to show them what life is with an open slash overflowing container that could be poured into. We have to model that overflow in a lot of people's lives. And I'm not saying we are the one that's pouring into ourselves. We, we, we can't do that. Again, it's just they're going to see the, the byproduct of one who is submissive before God. And it's like, all right, God, what is it you want to show me, reveal to me today? And a lot of times it's a form of love. How do you want me to express your love today? Is there someone I need to talk to? Is there a word of encouragement that I can offer? Is there an opportunity to be strong and to love an enemy or love someone who deals with me unfairly? Is there a way to love via sacrifice and to lay down uh, a desire of mine? And it could be something that no one can possibly see but you. But if that's my choice of worship today, I want to make sure that I'm obedient in that. And sacrifice is another one of those things that creates this void because we're often given something up. And this is why like, why we fast and um, why we choose to empty ourselves in that way. Because again, we're creating, uh, well, first and foremost, we're just saying, God, you are enough. And I, but I want to open myself up in greater measure. I want to expand the 10 pegs of my openness. And I'm expand that container and collect more. If I'm trying to collect raindrops in a desert, I want to collect as many as I possibly can. And I'm not saying that fasting is equal equivalent to creating deserts in your life, but I'm just saying like we want to enlarge the container because we want to overflow more. It's, we don't want to just have these small little cups and it would be easy to overflow small containers. We want to have as big containers as possible. As we grow in life, our container is getting bigger and it, re- and it represents whatever God, well, it represents who God is and the attributes he lavishes on us. It, it's who he is manifest in our lives. So what's the point of all this? Here's one landing spot for us today. Whatever you did, whatever you're going through, those experiences are never worth the fear we preserve keeping them close at heart. 
Remember, your battle scars are more than checkpoints signifying where you got it right. Rather, dare to see them as altars pointing people in the direction of wonder and reference. We talk about holy fear, we're talking about fear of the Lord, and we talk about fear of the Lord. At the center of it is adoration. You can't adore something you're not in awe of. That was one of Jamie's uh, key points in that awakening series. And that's, again, the reason why we want to have an open posture, an open container before God. So, oh, I want to know you more and put myself in position to be in even more awe of you, which will increase my adoration, which will increase my worship in all things, and be able to see different functions, uh, even the most mundane aspects of work as an opportunity to worship you. And even if it's just between me and you, there's something that could come out of that that could potentially overflow on other people. And we're going to break this down more practically. I know for me, whenever I am there and it's just having this worship moment with God, and I'm like, you know, come to the end of myself, and I feel that I'm doing that. One of the most immediate consequences, after effects, is the sensitivity to just like all of a sudden, I'm in this, I don't want to say buzz, but just kind of in this new, refreshed zone where even people that I know look down on me, and it's easy to look down on them because of it, because it's a, you know, some unfair, injustice issue, it kind of fades. For a while, I just want to talk to them, and I just want to uh, see where the needs are, and just you know, I, I start to think holier thoughts of, you know, what it'd be like to just talk with them and hear them out and see where the prayer points are. I'm I'm a prayer warrior, so a lot of times I'll you know, praying is how I love people. <laughs> uh, just getting down to the nitty gritty of it. Um, how do I stand with people? Uh, some people, you're more of a you know a giver. Uh, you like to show acts of kindness. You like to uh, love more directly, something more tangibly. But just understand that whatever you do, whatever your expression of love is, you're wanting to point people in the direction of Jesus, of wonder and reference, the veins by which people can know God and know how much he wants to have a relationship with them. We don't showcase our relationship with God. So like, look what I can do. Look at how awesome my relationship with God is. Oh, I have one. You don't. That sucks to be you. I don't think anyone is actively thinking that, but with ego in the way, that's how it could come across. Ultimately, our voids help us adore God, abide in gratitude, and die to our need to make sense of it all, which is one way of defining ego. The Self-centered thirst to make sense of setting and surrounding. It's a perverted, twisted, warped why. We talk about knowing how important it is to know the why, whether you're talking about business leaders, church leaders, managers, key people who have lots of responsibility and have to marry that responsibility with accountability. Knowing your why is very important when it comes to objectives and identifying core values. But when ego gets involved, we're kind of in the mix of all those things. It's basically a shortcut to relying on your own strength. That's what ego is. It's a shortcut to relying on your own strength and not God's. That's pretty much all I have for today. And I know that's kind of a, a non-landing spot. So let's do this. Let's conclude this podcast with prayer. Let's consider this a part one uh, as far as where we're going, where we 
talk about the the relationship between voids and flaws. We focused on voids today, uh, seeing voids as God's love reminder to us, the fact that there are challenges in life. God so cares that we are able to use those inevitable challenges, struggles, strongholds, whatever, to just see him through it, see him at the core of it, see that he wants us so much to discover how much he loves us. And we're going to talk about how even our flaws can be that type of love reminder in in part two. So let me just pray for you and we'll conclude today. Lord, we thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you that you are Lord and Savior of all things of our lives. And for some of us, we're overwhelmed by a lot. We are heavy. There are things on our plate that we didn't ask for. and We're just struggling with our own issues and we're struggling by other people's issues and how they've affected us. And it's so easy, Lord, to be bogged down by the self and by the ego. But we want to come to the end of ourselves and to invite your overflowing presence, your Holy Spirit, to come and convict us and to lead us to the down the road of repentance today. When it comes to our ego, we at least want to surrender where that's interfering in our walk with you and understanding your ways and the fact that you are wanting to pour out your love to us. Many of us, we construct bridges on our own strength when it comes to our voids, and we just want to lay down whatever tools we're using to construct those bridges. We just lay them down at your feet. The the propensities we have to want to go back and we get caught up in revisionist history, we lay down those type of vain thoughts um, that maybe for some of us, we feel like we're disqualified and we wish we could go back in time and change something so we wouldn't feel disqualified in the present. But the ego squeezes you out of the present and we just invite you into this present right now. We invite you as perpetual, perpetual presence. And we surrender our whatever we're struggling and wrestling with today, we just empty it before you, knowing that you are enough. You are more than enough. You are strong. You are powerful. You are mighty to save and to deliver and to redeem and to restore. Will you overflow us with your ministry of reconciliation today? We thank you that you are love. You not only taught us to love, you didn't invite us to love, but you are love. You are the invitation. That invitation is is a noun and a verb. And it's also a, an action step that we can take. Help us to see the awe and the awful and to understand that whatever we're going through, we could come out stronger because of it and to not be so discouraged that you will show us the way to not let the disappointment and the discouragement set the tone to be the filter of how we perceive the world around us and the people around us but just to be so excited about the opportunities to show people what you're showing us. We are more than conquerors, not by our own strength, but because of your love. Oh, that we can know you more and to know that in our, and to to help show people that in our, in our midst. That is our desire today. Bless us. I pray for those listening that you will lavish them with an abundance of favor and of peace
and just discovering new layers, new levels of selflessness and of godly fear and godly reliance. Just supernaturally impart your wisdom and discernment and gratitude. <laughs> Show us new ways we can be thankful for all that you do for us. We just love you, Lord, so much. God is this week and beyond. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, guys. It was real. It was fun. Thank you so much for listening. We always appreciate your willingness to hear what we have to say or really, rather what God wants to say through us. As always, if there's anything that we could be, if there's anything we could do for you, if there's any way we could be praying for you behind the scenes, feel free to contact us to leave us a personal message if you wish. If not, God's highest for you is best known in your life. As I always say, we'll catch you on the fry. Peace.